Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hey, my friends, and welcome back to today's episode of Everyday Truths as we continue our study of the book of Jeremiah. We are in chapter 25, as most of you know, and we're going to pick it up in verse number 8. So uh, if you would just uh, follow along, please, as I read Jeremiah chapter 28 and verse number 8. Jeremiah chapter 25 and verse number 8. There we go. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts. So the therefore of verse number 8 obviously goes back to what we talked about last episode, and that is that uh, Judah is just in dire straits. Uh, She has not repented. Her prophets have not offered any real solutions. They're just trying to band-aid a wound. They're not dealing with the issue, the situation. And the Bible says in verse number 8, Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, because ye have not heard my words. So there is a price for ignoring the word of God. And I like what it says in verse number eight, when it says, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the army, the Lord that's ready to do battle. In our pampered uh, 21st century Christianity, we don't like to think of the Lord in terms of war or in terms of battle or in terms of fighting or even rebuke. And yet, Uh, Our God is a consuming fire, and we need to understand that to to value the Lord's mercy and the Lord's love and the Lord's grace means to acknowledge that the Lord is just and holy and righteous, because mercy without justice and love without righteousness is really not love at all. These are how these terms are understood and defined. And the Bible says here, thus saith the Lord of hosts, because ye have not heard my words. So the ignoring of God's words will bring upon the following consequences. Verse number nine, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, saith the Lord. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land and against the inhabitants thereof and against all these nations round about and will utterly destroy them. So the Lord says, I'm going to to gather the families of the north and Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, and bring them down again. So who are the families of the north? Well, back in, in those days when a kingdom would come to power, say, for instance, Egypt or Assyria or now Babylon or after Babylon, Persia, or Greece, it was not uncommon for them to use conquered nations or puppet nations to fight on the front lines of battles. Why? Because then fewer of my own people are going to be killed in battle. And it was a way by which to grow one's army. I think about, I just was reading recently about Alexander the Great and his trek uh, eastward as he defeated the armies of Persia and how that in many of the nations that 
Alexander approached, the people would just succumb, automatically almost resign to him, and then offer their services to his army, and he would use them. So here, the families of the north and the Babylonian army in general all refer to this fighting unit that God's going to allow to come against Judah. So verse number nine, and against all the nations round about and will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment and an hissing and perpetual desolations. So the destruction that Babylon will bring will be so complete, will be so awesome in that sense of the word that it's going to bring about an astonishment. People will wonder at it, a hissing. We talked about this previously a few weeks back. About It's almost like people will walk by and say, whoo, almost that whistle, that hissing. And then perpetual desolations, whole tribes, whole cities, whole people groups will be wiped out and never to be remembered again. You see, it's rather an anomaly that people like the Jews today are still intact as a people. And that's really a testimony to God's promise and God's perseverance for them, because there are many groups of people that existed back in those days that have been completely wiped out through means like this, through invasions like the Babylonian invasion or Persia or Greece or Rome or what have you. And the Bible says that the the onslaught from the Babylonians will be so extensive that it will create perpetual desolations. Look at verse number 10. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones, and the light of the candle. So these are just metaphoric ways of explaining that the destruction will be so complete and so heinous that life as they know it will end. There'll be no more happiness, no more marrying and giving in marriage, uh, no Millstone, in other, in other words, uh, the, the making of, of bread, the, the, the processing of food, uh, the lighting of the candle, it's going to be, the light is going to go out on the country. The commerce will cease. The economy will fail. Life as they know it, marriage and, and family and life will end. It's, it's such a sad way to describe the kind of desolation that the people of God would suffer under that Babylonian captivity. Look at verse number 11. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations, so remember the Babylonian captivity included Judah, but Judah was not exclusively the subject of that captivity. Now, as far as God was concerned, she was, but other nations obviously fell under the domino of the Babylonian army. The Bible says in verse 11, these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. So we often hear, and we've often talked about the 70 year Babylonian captivity, where God was judging his people for all those years of neglect all those years of willfully ignoring the word of God until finally God said, I'm going to use a foreign entity, Babylon in this case, to 
come in and to create this desolate situation and take my people captive for X number of years so that they will learn in captivity what they should have learned proactively by simply listening to the warnings of my prophets, including Jeremiah. Now, some have tried to to pinpoint the 70-year captivity. You know, what were the actual 70 years? And I'll tell you what I believe. The first Babylonian captivity began in 606, really culminated in 605, in which Daniel, Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah were taken in that first of three Babylonian captivities. And then 70 years later, the edict had been given by Cyrus, and the people had gone back to rebuild the temple and laid the foundation in 536 BC. So there's your 70 years, 606 to 536. Some would say, well, no, it's 586. That would be the final destruction of Jerusalem. And then remember, the people began the temple, rebuilding the temple, but it was not completed until 516, after Haggai and Zechariah were led of God to rebuke the people for their for their reluctance and for their procrastination. And they finally got back to rebuilding it and it was completed in 516. So from 586 to 516, that's 70 years. Either way you look at it, uh, the number holds fast. It's a literal interpretation that God was going to use 70 years. That's the generation of one lifetime. So the psalmist said three score and 10 would be the general length of a lifetime. It's almost like God says, I'm going to take an entire full generation away that you might understand that I mean business when I give my warnings, the Babylonian captivity. And there were many good things that God brought out of that captivity. It was in the captivity that the people of God began to listen to God. It was in the captivity that there was a unity among God's people that developed around a common love for the Torah, uh, the, the law. They became known as people of the book. They began to worship God in other places because the temple was now destroyed. So they developed a synagogue, kind of a local centralized place of worship. That's where that all began. So even in punishment, even in chastisement, there were some good things that came out of that. Look at verse number 12. And it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon. So that's why I believe that the 70 years began in 606 and ended in 536. Why? Because really the, the Babylon was punished at the end of those 70 years. It may, it may have even begun a little bit before 606. Because remember when Belshazzar, the last king of Babylon, saw that writing on the wall where God said, mine, mine, tekel yufarsin. Mine, mine means uh, numbered. Uh, tekel means weighed, W-E-I-G-H-E-D. And yufarsin means divided. So in other words, uh, your days are numbered. Time is up. Uh, your works have been weighed. You're found wanting in the balance. And your kingdom is divided and given to another. Mine, mine, tekel yufarsin. Daniel interpreted that. Well, listen, that very night, the Persians overtook Babylon. So even though God used a wicked nation like Babylon to punish God's people as a tool in God's hand to punish God's people, it wasn't that God was overlooking what she had done. 
and that she was not going to be culpable for her own sins, for indeed she was. And Babylon, that great nation, as far as military might, that swept up Judah as if she were nothing, is was never to be seen again. She was obliterated. She was a perpetually desolate. And Judah, that small little nation uh, that she kind of ate up with no problems, is still alive and well today and has reconstituted itself as a nation since 1948. So just, again, underscores uh, the sovereignty, the power, the plan of God for his people. Because the Bible says in verse number 12, that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans and will make it perpetual desolations. So the very tool that God used to bring perpetual desolations upon so many other smaller nations, God says, you are now held accountable and you will be a perpetual desolation because of the way that you treated my people Israel. Boy, God is in charge. Sometimes it takes the perspective of multiple generations to see it. I think if you were alive during these days and you tried to see how God was working, you never could have done it. Why? Because it was beyond one generation long. You'd have to have the perspective of living before the 70 years and then having enough perspective to live after the 70 years to fully understand what God did in those 70 years. And all I'm saying is what we have to do is trust what God says and understand that he has a timetable. He has a plan of action that supersedes even our ability to understand it or to contextualize it within one lifetime. But we see it right here in Jeremiah chapter 25. We're going to stop there in verse number 12, and we'll pick it up in verse number 13 next time. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.